thank you for inviting me. Hi, everyone. It's like a big crowd. So I'm very curious because I'm, I'm fairly new to the university. So I'm assistant professor in the Department of Epidemiology and Biostatistics, and I started in January. Do we have any epi folks in here? It's a roll call. So graduate student? Okay, so I, I, yeah. <laughs> I know the faculty. Um, exercise science? Undergrad, graduate? Just combination of the two? Um, HPB? Yeah. <laughs> um, environmental health sciences? No, not being represented. HISPM? No, okay, so I was just kind of curious. So I'll get started because I have the tendency to talk um, a little bit too long and too much, and I'm trying not to do that today. And if you have any questions or if I'm talking too fast, just please, you know, kind of motion me. This is very informal, um, and I just wanted to, I'm happy that Sonia um, invited me, Dr. Jones invited me um, to give this talk so I can have the opportunity to share with you all kind of some of my interests since I'm fairly new to the university, especially with the students. So we're going to focus on today talking about whether or not family involvement is important when it comes to obesity intervention, specifically for African-American girls. So before I even get started, do you all think it's important? Like when you're trying to change the lifestyle behaviors um, to ultimately change weight in girls, whether they're overweight or normal weight, and specifically for African-American girls, is it important for the family to be involved? Think so? Hopefully I'll give a convincing argument that it is important to do so. Well, I feel like very popular. <laughs> but you know that if we were just, it's all about the venue, because if we were in the, the auditorium, it just would have been a couple of people, you know? So, so please come on in, you're not interrupting at all. Um, so we all know, I mean, we are in a school of public health about the obesity rate and how it's um, steadily increasing, especially for our children. And I thought it was very interesting you had to add that picture of the dog, the before and after um, obese dog. Um, but it is, it's, I mean, you know, we can find some humor in that picture, but it's a very serious problem that um, results in many chronic diseases, many illnesses um, across the U.S. and in, in many of our populations. Um, and specifically for our children, just want to have to, you know, epidemiologists so have to show a little bit of data in terms of um, the statistics related to um, childhood obesity and, or childhood overweight. And you'll see that among boys and girls, this middle bar, non-Hispanic, black, or African-American girls, they have among the highest rates of overweight um, and obesity out of all children. Well over 40%, pushing 50%, soon to be 50%. And so um, I found this ad showing you know, these warnings about chubby kids may not outlive their parents. You hear that a lot. Or that fat kids become fat adults. Big bones don't, didn't make me this way, big meals did. Um, he has his father's eyes, his laugh, and maybe even his diabetes. And this issue is, you know, is a, is a vast issue for a lot of obese children, but it really did resonate when I was thinking about my research with African-American girls because of the high rates of overweight and obesity, the um, low rates of physical activity, and also low rates of sports participation, so not getting that energy expenditure, that among children that African-Americans, boys and girls, have high rates of television viewing. 
they view the most hours, um, almost four hours a day compared to other children. And then thinking about the larger environmental factors that also contribute. And so, um, and then with the second one, fat kids become fat adults. That really, really um, is true for African-American girls because over 80% of African-American women are overweight or obese. And so African-American girls, with them being 45% of them, 40, 44 to 45% of them being overweight, are on that trajectory of becoming overweight. So this is a huge problem for all of our children, but specifically for African-American females. So um, we all know there's that need for interventions and with African-American females, specifically girls, with that disparity in obesity and physical activity and eating, eating behaviors that I just you know, slightly alluded to. Um, it's also in the literature has been pretty, um, um, I shouldn't say well established, but there's been some studies showing that weight loss interventions are less effective for African-American versus white populations, and especially for females. And they've um, attributed some of those issues, that less effectiveness, to maybe some cultural or contextual factors. So maybe the cultural tailoring of the program um, for the African-American females. Um, motivation, adherence, are we using less effective strategies in these interventions? environmental issues that may be um, specific to um, the culture of the race, um, but could be also playing a part. And so with that need for interventions, it has been shown that um, family-based interventions, um, specifically those who have focused on childhood obesity, are pretty successful. And um, Family-based interventions, there's this cultural relevance, especially for African-Americans, because with the core um, cultural norms and, um, for the African-American culture, family is a center. It's a centerpiece of, 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 uh, of our culture. Um, and so being able to incorporate um, a large piece of the culture just by having the family involvement um, could be effective for African-Americans. And then also, when you're bringing into the family, you're bringing in a degree of the environment, whether it's home environment, some of the social environment, which is also a key, like a cornerstone of the African-American culture. And then when it comes to children, you're having that inclusiveness of family dynamics and behavior. So neither parents nor children are, like children are not the sole decision maker for a lot of the things that happen in their lives, whether it's related to their lifestyle of physical activity, eating choices, or other um, lifestyle issues. Um, but with that being said, parents do have, they do you know, play a huge role, but parents do not make these decisions by themselves either. They do make those decisions based on some of the feedback that they get from their children. So it's kind of uh, vice versa, back and forth in terms of both parties playing a role in terms of um, deciding what happens, what types of foods may be served in the family, what types of activities that you engage, that the family engage in. So it's, um, it's not just about children making a decision or, or parents making a um, decision, but the decisions being influenced by each other. So yet another reason why family-based interventions may be some, um, somewhat successful, a, successful, a somewhat successful method for engaging um, weight loss or any type of improving lifestyle behaviors for African-American females. 
Um, so before I go any further, I want to make sure we all understand what I mean when I say family-based or talking about family involvement. So there's different um, components that could make up family involvement, but three very key ones that I will focus on throughout this presentation is who's involved. Um, not only the child that we're focusing that behavior change with, but what other family members are involved. What is being done? So in terms of the goal for the family member, how is that family member involved? And that how they're involved also includes how the family member is in interacting or the child and the family member could be interacting. So looking at session attendance. So with family member involvement, there's usually three scenarios. You have the parent-child dyad only. So you have the parent and you have the child. They're involved in the intervention. How they're involved in the intervention, we'll talk about a little later. Um, you could have the scenario of multiple family members. Um, so having at least the parent and child and then an additional family member. It could be one more family member or it could be several other family member, but members, but not including the entire family. And then the third scenario with, um, is whole family involvement, where you're technically including everyone in the intervention who lives in the same household. Um, what that could be could be, um, you know, the nuclear family with the traditional mother, father, and children. It could be grandparents and children. It could be auntie and uncle and children and cousins. Um, but it's the entire household living under the same roof. Come sit if you see a chair, feel free. Or if you want to come stand up so you can see. Um, and then also, um, so for that second component is the goal of the family member. Um, also, usually three scenarios. Um, with these interventions, you usually see the child outcomes are um, where there's usually a concerted effort to change the behavior of the child and then seeing how the family involvement can also enhance that changing of the um, child's behavior. And so the family member can be engaged by being targeted to change his or her own behavior, um, whether it's related to physical activity or healthy eating or both. Um, could be support related and that support could be active or yeah. passive. So could be if it's a physical activity intervention, um, you know, providing so, um, support to um, taking the children or taking the child to physical activity opportunities or encouraging your child to be more physically active or it could be um, more passive um, related to, oh, I shouldn't say, well, more active if you're looking at the food environment, so making sure they have the availability of healthy foods within the home, um, taking out sodas. Um, junk food outside of the home, out of the home, um, so it, the child does not have access to it any, you know, within the home anymore. Or it could be the case, and it's not, you would think it would be somewhat um, rare to see this, but um, as I'll discuss a little later on, it could be that the family member is involved, but there's no specific goal of the family member. Um, and usually that's the case of them receiving newsletters or, um, yeah, usually newsletters, uh, but there's no, um, no other role that the family member really has to play. And then um, that third component of family involvement has to do with um, session attendance. 
So whether you're attending all the sessions together or some of the sessions together. Um, and it could be together or apart. So thinking child alone, child and parent together, or family member instead of just parent. Um, for all of the sessions or the same kind of scenario for some of the sessions. Or you may even see where um, parents, child, there's, there's even an example um, when I'll talk about later where if it's depending on the mode of delivery, you may not have any um, attendance for either mother, I mean for the family member or for the child. So thinking kind of, of internet-based um, or internet-delivered interventions. Are there any questions so far? I feel like I'm talking really fast. You're good? Okay. Um, so I want to kind of, since she kind of gave you an idea about what I mean by family involvement, I want to kind of segue into a project that I worked on where we did involve the family. Um, it was um, um, last year focusing on an intervention to increase physical activity and healthy eating for African-American girls ages 10 to 13 and their African-American mothers. And that was the logo that we used. And so this intervention was a combination of being both home and community-based. So there were some home activities that we engaged the um, dyad in and then used a lot of community um, facilities um, to, to carry out the intervention. It lasted for nine months and there were two phases. We had a two-month intensive phase in which we met on a weekly basis for three hours and um, in a couple of slides I'll tell you what we did during those sessions. And then we had the seven-month maintenance phase. The first half of the maintenance phase we did not meet at all and they just received newsletters and then the last three months of that um, phase two, we met on a monthly basis, very similar session um, to what was carried out during the weekly um, meetings during the intensive phase. And the expected family involvement for this study is that we want to change both the parent and the child behavior and we had expected all of the sessions to be attended by both participants. <coughs> The outcomes that we were targeting, um, our primary outcome were related to the daughters in secondary um, with the mothers. Wanted to increase physical activity and decrease screen time um, related to TV and video game use and also recreational computer use. And then we were interested in increasing um, fruits and vegetable water and breakfast intake and decreasing sweetened beverage intake. And before I you know, tell you more about the study, and especially before I tell you the results, this was purely a very small pilot study, very small numbers. And it was funded by the General Mills Foundation where um, they had a specific interest in um, African-American females and then also kind of family-based or um, actually parent involvement. And so I was funded to create the curriculum and I f felt this was a great opportunity for me to be able to test out this curriculum in a small pilot. And so the criteria of the participants, um, we, uh, they had to be self-identified as African-Americans, not only the daughter, but also the mother. And I had to be very clear on that because of the, I was interested in looking at that trajectory, you know, long-term, couldn't do it in this study because of sample size and other issues between African-American girls and African-American 
um, 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 women. And um, I was in Minnesota when I completed this project, and it's, it's, um, they have a pretty significant population of um, African-American girls who have white mothers. And so I wanted to make sure, I think there's different dynamics and different issues um, to be addressed when you're dealing with a parent, mother, I mean a mother, when you're dealing with African-American girls and the mother is not of, of African-American descent. Um, and so I wanted to, given the small sample size, to make it as clean as possible and not introduce additional biases and things I just probably wouldn't be able to explain. Um, and so for mothers and daughters to be self-identified as African-Americans with no restrictions or special dietary needs. And for the girls, they were um, about middle school age, 10 to 13, or elementary middle school age, and um, at least greater than 50th percent BMI, um, 50th, BM, 50th percentile for their BMI. So there are three components. Um, the first was the physical activity component where they had the home physical activity kits that they took home and we um, provided support for them to be able to understand utilizing um, those activities and, and giving them um, kind of boosters throughout the nine month um, session, um, nine month intervention for them to be able to keep on engaging with it and using that, um, those kits throughout the intervention. Um, having African American guest instructors of all different sizes and shapes for some kind of surface level cultural tailoring. Um, we did brief physical activity conversations and activities during the cool down because they had said they wanted some just like basic information about physical activity that they just, um, during the formative assessment, um, they said there was basic information they wanted to learn. Um, we wanted to enhance their connection with their community um, facilities and so we provided um, gym memberships and then also and the gyms were um, like smaller community-based kind of like rec centers and not the large kind of gold gym, goals gym that you'll see around here and then there was some goal setting with incentives and all the content of the physical activity conversations and activities we tried to culturally tailor um, to bring in examples of activities, physical activities um, that may be more prevalent in the African-American um, community. So thinking about dance, bringing in some like hip hop aerobics. Um, with the guest instructors, we did gospel, dance, um, so things along that line. And then the second component was um, healthy eating, um, where we had interactive nutrition education sessions, because once again, during the formative assessment, there was just like basic information that the mothers and daughters felt they just needed to know and they didn't know. And so we wanted to um, share that information with them. And then we had the content was already established. It was a content, a curriculum that was already in place at um, U of M. And I had it culturally tailored by putting um, some trying to infuse some some of the African-American culture into the content to make it more relevant. We had hands-on cooking demonstrations where the mothers and daughters actually got to prep the food and cook the food together with the assistance of the research assistants. Um, once again that came up during the formative assessment that this was something that they wanted to learn and that the mothers particularly felt that it was time for their daughters to start cooking more but they um, we're not relinquishing that control at home, and so thought that this may be a good forum to do so. 
um, for the girls to learn some basic skills. Um, taste testing of snacks and meals, and then um, more goal setting, uh, weekly goal settings. Um, yes. Mm -hmm. As far as goal setting and fitness, what type of incentives did you provide in the physical activity component as well as the healthy? Yeah, um, so with the physical activity, we had like DVDs that were um, with um, African-American instructors leading the DVDs. We had, um, let me think back, we had gift cards to some sporting good places for and we had one more, and I, it's, it's escaping me at that time, because we tried to limit it. We didn't want to give them too many options in that sense. Um, but for the healthy eating, there were, um, like we gave measure, measuring cups, like so there were small, I guess, cooking utensils that they could, um, that they could, um, they could win, or they could get the, with the incentives. Um, we had um, gift cards to grocery stores, like ten, fifteen dollar um, gift cards to grocery stores, and let me see. So we had, yeah, because I think it was we had a variety of utensils. So it was like measuring cups. We had like um, a little food scale. We had um, there was uh, the Foreman grill. Like so, they could win a Foreman grill, like the cheaper version one, not that really nice one. Um, so yeah, so things like that. So more like kind of tools that we were focusing on. Any other questions? Okay. Um, and so with the social support, because you did have the mother-daughter pair, and so we wanted to um, focus on that. Um, so them being able to, so they had face-to-face -face health coaching to help with their um, goal setting. So we had trained research assistants with motivational interviewing um, techniques. And the mothers and daughters, they set goals separately, and then they set goals together, how they were going to support each other during the week. And with the counseling, um, the health coaches would contact the mother-daughter pair separately um, via text, email, and phone to check with them, check with them about their, um, how they were doing in terms of meeting their goals and helping to troubleshoot if they had any issues with meeting their goals. Um, and then with that mother-daughter accountability, it was with uh, supporting themselves or supporting each other during the week. During the intensive phase, it was a monthly basis for the uh, maintenance phase. Um, and so intensive phase one, the results, just general results, because we can only talk about trends because of the sample size. Um, just, but so you have an idea about who was in our study. Um, we were shooting for 15 mother-daughter pairs to enroll, and we recruited 15, um, but only 13 ended up signing, signing up for the program. The girls were just a little younger than 12, and they were, you know, pretty heavy. Their mean BMI percentile was the 88th percentile, so they were, they were pretty heavy. And so were the mothers. Their mean BMI was um, over 38, and they were in their mid-30s. Um, in terms of the results, we saw positive trends from the baseline to the end of the intensive phase, so at the end of second month, um, increasing their physical activity, reducing their TV time, but not the other screen times, um, increasing their breakfast, water, and fruit and vegetable consumption, and then reducing their sweetened beverage consumption. 
And then with their mothers, we saw similar behavioral trends, but focused more on kind of the support that they were able to give, um, increasing attempts and encouraging their daughters to be more active, um, that they were feeling more empowered to limit their daughter's TV times, and then also um, encouraging their daughters to eat more fruits and vegetables. Um, we conducted former, um, some focus groups afterwards to get some qualitative data about how they what they liked and what they didn't like about the intervention. And so, um, you know, generally speaking, they enjoyed the, the staff from both the guest instructors and then also the health coaches that they were, um, um, they were able to utilize them well and that they uh, serve, serve, that the health coaches serve the participants well. Um, and then also, I think they like being in that group setting of, being able to hear about different lifestyles. They were referring, that particular participant was referring to them being together. So not only with their mothers and mother and daughters together, but then being in a group of other mothers and daughters and being able to share their similar experiences. Um, and one thing that was not really on my radar when this study started, but I saw pretty soon after the first couple of weeks of implementing the intervention in terms of the um, unattended benefits related to the relationship between the mothers and daughters. Um, and that there was improvement in that relationship and in, in their communication. And we had some, some um, items that we did ask about in the survey that verified um, or yeah, verified what the, what the participants said in the focus groups. And so for a maintenance phase number two, so our sample size drastically decreased, went from 13 to five over the summer. We lost a lot. Um, yeah, and, and you know, in, in hindsight, you know, if you could go back, I wish I would have investigated more and contacted the participants who dropped out to find out why they didn't come back. I mean, there were some, there's three families that we know why that two of them, they had um, changes in their schedule, and so they couldn't commit to the time. And then the third family, that the mother-daughter pair, and this was the older daughter, she was about to turn, um, she was, yeah, 12, and about to she turn 13, or she was 13, about to turn 14, because the age range was from 10 to 13. And they started having some major communication problems. And so the mother did not feel that this was a setting that that they just weren't communicating, that it would, it would not work for them at the time. And so um, the girls who did, um, the girls and the moms who did stay on for the second maintenance phase, um, they weren't as heavy as the entire population. If you remember, it was about 30 for the BMI at baseline for the entire um, sample. And then the mothers were about the same size. Um, and the results that we saw, very similar to at the end of intensive phase one, and the stuff that's in red is what we found um, to be different. Um, that they had a reduce in screen time, not just in TV viewing time, but also computer use and video game use. And then also positive trends among the mothers related to um, the mothers encouraging their daughters to eat more fruits and vegetables and also eat breakfast and drink water instead of pop or soda. Now that I'm in the South, it's called soda again. It's pop in the Midwest. Yeah, it's pop here too? 
Oh, Coke. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just that one brain. Pepsi doesn't exist. <laughs> Um, and then um, some of the results that we got from the focus groups um, is that they really enjoyed the newsletter. So um, we had started sending newsletters at the end of the intensive phase throughout the entire maintenance phase about general information about um, physical, how to increase their physical activity over the summer, healthy summer cooking. Um, and they were, there, there were two newsletters, one for the mother and one for the daughters. Um, that they really enjoyed those and that we had this one particular activity that was really popular where we sent them, it was kind of like a supermarket search, where they, we sent the mother-daughter pair to the supermarket and they um, had a list of different types of foods that they had to go research, like look at, you know, compare the um, menu, not menu label, the food label um, of an item that we gave them. So it was like a frozen pizza and then they had to find a better choice. And so they really, really enjoyed that activity um, in particular. And um, this, this last comment that I decided to add. So during the intensive phase, when we were meeting once a week, they were complaining that we were meeting too often. And so during the maintenance phase, it was scaled back to once a month, and then they were like, oh, we're not meeting enough. So I was like, okay, so what are you gonna do? <laughs> Maybe every other week, but, um, but yeah, so that's, you know, could be the case, so. Um, and so, so I, you know, had this interest in physical activity, healthy eating interventions for African-American girls that this family-based, or family-involved intervention with mothers and daughters. And I felt that we had a, a, you know, some degree of success, even though it was a small pilot. Um, and so it made me even more interested in wanting to pursue this further, especially when there was a program announcement, NIH program announcement, um, that was a call for intervention specifically to reduce, reduce um, health disparities in minority and underserved populations. And so I was thinking about my next steps and I kind of went into the intervention not knowing as much um, as, you know, as I could have known about family-involved interventions. And so wanting to learn more about that, I embarked on um, possibly doing a review and, and seeing what is, you know, you know, did some research in terms of what's out there, but to really get a, a strong grasp on the um, literature in terms of what is out there when it comes to family-based or family-involved interventions. Um, and found that there had been a couple that had already been done um, in recent years. Um, so the Goalie 2010, um, they included studies that only targeted parents. And so we saw with my intervention family affair that it was mothers and daughters. So we targeted the parent, the family member, and the child. And I was interested in seeing where it's not just the parent being um, targeted. And so I felt that I could bring something by including, um, being more inclusive in terms of the target population. Um, there was one that studied only family system components. Um, and they did not include any studies that had minimal parent involvement. So. Um, when I had talked earlier, when I was explaining the, um, tar the goals of the family member and said about no specific, no specific goal of getting parents involved by sending newsletters or something kind of minimal, you know, I'm kind of interested. I was interested in seeing whether or not, because you are relaying some type of information to the parent or to the family member that could have some type of positive effect or, you know, negative effect on the child. So wanting to be more inclusive of seeing any degree of family involvement 
Um, another one focused on the preschoolers, which makes sense because then preschoolers really can't make any decisions for themselves. But I um, was very interested in, in the older from five to eight. Um, I shouldn't say, well, five isn't really older, but um, the school age uh, population. And then um, there's another study that only focused on the most recent literature, and so I had no time restrictions. And all four of those reviews, they all said that we need to know more about minority populations. And so with, with my interest in everything else and all the time that you always have to do a review, which takes a tremendous amount of work, um, embarked on doing this review that focused only on African-American girls um, that had some type of family component. And so it's now in press. Um, and the objectives for this intervention, I mean for this review, excuse me, was that I was very interested in knowing what were the strategies, so what did they do when it came to family involvement, and because I was focusing on African-American females, also an interest in terms of the cultural adaptation that they did. And not only knowing what they did, um, also trying to gain some sense of the effectiveness of, of the studies, of the interventions, when it came to looking at the um, types and the levels of family involvement. And so we ended up um, doing more so, because it was kind of really all across the board, um, a kind of qualitative assessment of looking at patterns related to the interventions, whether with the intervention approaches and also the effectiveness. And, and we also did it by grouping the data together, and I'll get to how we grouped, together, grouped, the, grouped the data together. I'm talking too fast. Um, so our inclusion exclusion criteria went back and forth about this, but we decided that we were not only going to focus on samples that only included African-American girls. We wanted to include any sample um, as long as you include Af had African-American girls part of the sample, and we were able to, um, the, the authors or, yeah, the authors, they um, presented results for African-American girls separately um, so that we're able to describe what happened and know what happened to the African-American girls or, ha or how the intervention um, affected the African-American girls specifically. Um, had to have some degree of family involvement in what that was, you know, very open to that. Intervention studies only, um, looking at lifestyle changes related to weight, um, any study design, any length of time, um, but the primary outcome had to be one of those three or, uh, or relate to one of those three. And then um, we needed to have an understanding of, the, uh, understanding of what happened during the intervention, so they had to have a description. And then we were only focusing on U.S. studies so that we're trying to, there's a lot of heterogeneity in the African or the black community. And so we wanted to make sure that, because I feel, African-Americans could be very different from blacks in another part of the, um, of the world or foreign-born blacks to African-Americans. So we're trying to keep it as, um, so we added that restriction for that purpose. Um, and we didn't have any restrictions on the length of the study, the year of the intervention, or the weight of participants. So we were looking at both prevention and treatment studies. Um, started with 8,700 and whittled it down to 
27, but it was really 67 that we really um, examined carefully. Um, and 27 studies are included. So some of the just general study characteristics, um, studies lasted as short as three weeks to, we had several that were like, you know, full trials of two years. Um, we included 15 pilot studies, so over half for, you know, short-term pilot studies. But of those 15, four of them, in which we did include those RCTs, um, those, of those pilot studies, four of them led to um, RCTs, which were included in the study, in, in the review. Um, one short-term, 12 full-length, and then in terms of the design. So we had a variety of designs. Um, for the study population, 15 of them focused on African-American girls only. Um, we had another six that were um, African-American girls and boys, and then the other six were a multi-ethnic sample of either boys and girls together or girls only. But like I said, they um, reported findings specific for African-American girls, so we were able to include them into the study, uh, into the review. Um, and so I um, want to speak just a second about the prevention versus treatment studies and how we dealt with those because so we had about two-thirds of the studies were prevention so that means um, that they didn't necessarily the, the participants could be any size like they didn't have to be overweight or normal weight they could be in it any size um, and then the treatment studies were the participants were specifically overweight because you were kind of treating obesity um, and so when you're looking at prevention studies versus treatment studies there's the differences in the study participants I mean just by their weight there could be differences in goals because if you have a normal weight person you may not be trying to lose weight um, when you're coming to like a healthy eating or a physical activity program, but then if it's a treatment study, you may be trying to get them to lose weight. And then also the motivation for being a part of the study. You know, for prevention studies, it could be very much so health related. With treatment studies, it could be more weight related. So um, we did expect that you have similar behavioral changes, but not necessarily weight changes because of the goal of the study. And so we wanted to be very careful. And so what we decided to do that when we looked at the effectiveness of the studies, that when it came to the short term or the pilot prevention studies, so these are the studies prevention where you could have normal weight participants and they may not be trying to lose weight, um, not to examine the weight data. And then also for uncontrolled studies where they did not have a control group. Um, and we have that example for a treatment study. There was a variety of behavioral change. So going back to our first aim, they were interested in different types of strategies that they used. And I don't know if you've ever made your own Wordle, but it was really cool. Like there's a website where you can make your Wordle. And so it's like the, you know, um, the more times a word shows up, the larger it is. And so there were a lot of education that was shared um, during the interventions. And they use the word sessions too, a lot. Um, so with that being said, that there was just a variety. There wasn't really a way for us 
we were just kind of curious to what has been done and I was thinking that maybe because you're working with a family member and a child or family members and a child that you could do some grouping but it wasn't it was kind of all over the place and there wasn't really any um, clustering or grouping that we could really do um, looking at the cultural adaptation strategies um, three of them did not mention any um, any tailoring to their intervention, but remembering that we did include some studies that had multi-ethnic populations, and those three were, of, you know, they had multi-ethnic populations. Um, had limited, four of the studies did limited adaptation, where it was the African-American only sample, and then 20 of them, you know, they specifically stated how they made several attempts to tailor the intervention. And it could have been with formative assessment, using a similar African-American um, sample, doing some tailoring of the curriculum and program content by trying to infuse some of the culture and some very um, like familiar foods and activities into the curriculum, and then doing kind of more surface level of the, having interventionists and data collectors who were African-American. And so to briefly talk about um, the results and there's a lot going on here. But generally speaking, if you see, um, looking under physical activity, if you see a little asterisk, it means it was statistically significant that these are the studies that reported no or limited cultural adaptation, but they seem to be pretty successful in terms of changing physical activity. Um, and dietary and weight related, you can't see, you can't you know, make, make as a definitive um, statement about either of those. But then keeping in mind that these were the multi-ethnic samples that did not have very little, um, that had no cultural um, tailoring. And then the last four are the ones that had limited cultural adaptation and they were all for, of um, African-American samples. So, um, but that when it comes to physical activity for this review, whether they had none or limited cultural adaptation, they seem to be pretty successful in changing physical activity behavior. Plus means that it's going in the right direction. Yes. Yeah. No. Oh, no, no. Because um, there aren't any minuses. So yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. Or very. There's oh, just for BMI. Um, with the family involvement results, this was really hard trying to reduce this data because there was lots and lots of variants. And um, I talked about how, you know, in general, those three components, family member involvement, the um, session attendance, and the goal of the family member. But for um, this review, we also examined a couple other things. So the index member, like who was the targeted participant, the format of the intervention de um, delivery and what's another one? Oh, the change, um, the behavior that was targeted for change. And so trying to extract some of the patterns, um, when looking at the whole family involvement, so studies that tried to engage everyone who lived in the household, there were only prevention studies, so no, um, no treatment, and they all targeted younger kids, which kind of made, you know, um, that may make sense, and that the attendance of the whole family um, to some of the sessions. So knowing that they wanted to engage the whole family on some degree, but maybe realizing that it would not be feasible for the entire 
family to attend all sessions because two of those studies were, um, all three of them were GEM studies. So, um, and two were pilots that were 12 week long and one was a two year study. And then you have the multiple family member involvement, looking at the prevent, they were, um, of the prevention studies, they had support related goals for the family members where they really emphasized the child attendance. And so parents didn't really have to attend for the prevention studies with multiple family members, or I shouldn't say parents, family members. And then with the treatment studies, it was all over the place. Like I, there was no clear pattern in terms of um, the, the support related goals versus the change in old behavior goals or the attendance expectations for the family members. Um, and then when looking at the parent-child dyads, most of the studies were focusing only on the parent-child dyad, 17 of the 27. Um, and so for the prevention study, studies, there were 12 of them where four had a change in the parent behavior or tried to target, it, target change in the parent behavior um, with younger kids, with parent attending all the sessions, but there was some variety in terms of the attendance for the child. Um, support related, seeing, you know, where sessions were either jointly or all sessions with the child alone, and there was no specific goal for one of the studies. And then the treatment studies, change in the parent behavior, where the sessions were attended separately than jointly, so, um, which I have a, a lot of opinions about, good opinions about, in terms of separating the parent and the family members and then bringing them back together with that face-to-face -face delivery. But there were no other similarities that we could find or pattern that emerged for the other three treatment studies. So very briefly for the results, just generally because I'm running out of time, um, generally speaking, so most of those studies, they measure physical activity and diet using multiple measures. So you see that the numbers don't really add up. That's because um, it was based on more than just one measure of physical activity. Could have been within a single study. So with the physical, um, physical activity, all of them found um, a positive found finding. Um, and with the diet, it was also the same, but then they had more that also had a null finding with another variable. So it could have been looking at dietary intake. And for fruit and vegetable intake, it positively impacted. Um, but then it could have had a null finding when it came to the psychosocial factors related to dietary intake. Um, so that's how you have the positive and the null. And then with the weight, um, and remember, remembering that we did not look at all of the outcomes for the prevention studies when it came to weight because of the goal of the study, um, that there, the findings were kind of mixed. Um, with the treatment studies, fewer of them, so there were nine treatment studies, nine treatment studies and only five of them um, reported on physical activity. And you saw that three of them had positive findings. Um, and then the diet, only two of the nine reported on diet. Because um, um, But all of them reported on weight. And then, um, and that you saw positive findings with the weight. And it says only six because of some of them we did not look at because of that stipulation I had with the prevention versus treatment. 
So this is like very condensed version. If you want to see more, I, have, I can show you the pages of tables that I have. Um, so hopefully it wasn't too much, um, too condensed. Um, so to end with talking with the, about this review paper, um, so we saw that there were diverse patterns of family involvement that emerged. I mean, there was no, you know, you would think quite possibly if you're engaging a whole family and having small children involved that you may have sessions with, but most of the sessions where the family members are also engaged, um, that there's studies that very much so support the fact that um, if the parents change their behavior, the child is more likely to change their behavior, um, especially when the child is overweight. And so thinking that we may have seen with some of the treatment studies when it was parent-child dyad, um, more of them trying to um, change the behavior of not only the child, but also the parent, but we didn't, I mean, we just, we didn't, we didn't see that. Um, when it came to the cultural adaptation, that most of them were at least minimally culturally adapted. And when you looked at those that were only focusing on African-American samples, they were all culturally adapted to some degree. Um, and then also one thing that I didn't get to show in the results but came out in the paper is that, so we're talking about family involvement, but it has not been proven like what level of family involvement is important or is the most effective. And so none of the studies except for one were we able to actually compare that. And it's actually, it was quite, um, I thought it was kind of quite ironic that it was the very first study that we found that focused on African-American girls that um, had a family component. So published back in 1990. And so the 26 studies that followed, none of them followed suit um, of being able to compare, you know, whether or not whole family versus you know, some family involvement is important versus just the parent-child um, level involvement is important. Um, we saw from, especially with the um, prevention studies, that uh, there's a general positive trend, and some of them were significant, although we do need to keep in mind that a lot of the studies were pilot studies, so um, you may not expect to see some significant findings. Um, in behaviors, especially with the physical activity. Um, and when it came to the treatment studies, um, it's presented in the paper, I didn't really present it here, but that overweight children, they reported more favorable results when their parents also changed the behavior. So what I had said was um, true in the literature. We, you know, looking at the studies collectively, we were also able to find um, that to be true among African-American girls specifically. And then when we looked at um, for the treatment studies, specifically attending sessions jointly may be somewhat beneficial when you have the parent-child dyad um, alone. So um, something that could be very useful in the future. And so where I am now with, with this topic of family involvement, um, like I said before I started the review, there's that program announcement um, that really was driving, well, in the work that I did, was driving me wanting to learn more about these family-based interventions and family involvement. And so now I'm at the stage of working on the grant, 
with my co-investigators, Dr. Turner McGreevy and Dr. Moore, and there's a lot of other people who have been helping of um, wanting to examine the influence of both the social and physical environment change um, in physical activity in obese African-American girls. And so the social side is the family member involvement, but then also um, physical changes to the home, physical environment, because there's some work out there showing that um, physical equipment, especially for physical activity, is important for increasing physical activity um, for African-American girls. And so, you know, very briefly, what I'm hoping to do is a forearm intervention, trying to be able to tease out whether or not um, changing the physical environment or changing the social environment has some type of effect on physical activity behavior in African-American girls. So that's it, I'm done. Thank you very much and any questions? Any questions? Yeah. So um, a lot of the studies, and especially it was the Kitzman Oltzman study, yeah, the Kitzman study where I said they only focus on certain studies related to family dynamics. Mm -hmm. That bringing into family, parent, I mean, parenting style is a key part when you're looking at these family involvement or any type of parent involved study yeah. because they've shown. Um, I always get this confused, so I'm not going to use the term, but authoritarian is better than authoritative. Um, so, so yes. But then there's some research out there showing that for African-American families that um, authoritative is it's, it's not as negative, I don't want to use the word negative, but may not have, maybe somewhat positive. For most of us are. Yes. So, and so, so, yes. So, so it may not. So, with that being said, let me reword that. That um, parenting styles may differ within African American families in terms of like the effect of the parenting style. So, you may not see the same. Yes. Yeah. 
And, and, you know, talking about like attrition, one thing that I did not point out is like those five who did make it through the entire study, I had administered a stages of change questionnaire at the very beginning, and they were all at that point of ready to make changes. And that wasn't always the case for those who dropped out. And so screening, because I know there's some discussion about, well, you know, you're trying to you need to try to target, sometimes you need to try to target those who really need the help and those who really need the help may not be at that place to make the change. But given the amount of commitment um, and sacrifice you have to make when you're trying to make these large eating and physical activity changes that I think that you, I mean, not saying we don't work with those who aren't at that, like we need to try to get them to the place where they're ready to make changes. But I think there's something to be said with working with people who are ready um, to start making some changes. So, I saw a hand, your hand. Did you all do any follow-up regarding the why? Yeah, that was, yeah. After. It wasn't transportation because we went all over the Twin Cities to pick them up. <laughs> that was <laughs> that was something. But yeah, that was one thing that, like in hindsight, that I wish I would have gone back to have a focus group when I did the post-intensive focus groups. Because um, at the very end of the post-intensive phase, we still had 10 families that were holding on strong. And it was over the summer that we lost five more that um, I wish I would have gone to find out. Because that's what we really, you know, why didn't they continue to, you know, what what could we have done to keep them engaged? So, yes. And what kinds of cultural healing kind of patients do you think you're working with now? Yes. You know, I feel, so I'm a Southerner, born and bred South Carolinian, but I haven't been here for a while. And I just feel like, I mean, there's the, that's the investigation. I'm actually, going to, um, you know, working on doing some focus groups this because I don't want to make some general statements without really knowing um, with the population here and something that I struggle with in terms of with the grant you know just and I mean Dr. Moore can attest to <laughs> um, <laughs> um, can attest to of that some of the things that work very well in the Midwest may not work as well in the South and I think sometimes we tend to think that racial population populations are more similar than they may be, and I have, I mean, I've lived in several parts of the country. I think that the geographical culture has a huge bearing that makes, you know, that blurs um, the similarities within, of racial groups in different areas. So, so I'm not, I don't, I don't want to answer, but I, <laughs> I know I have to go to the church because everyone goes to church here. <laughs> I'll see if I go to church here. Can I get, to, and then Dr. Kaczynski, yeah. Okay. Um, in your pilot study, the results that you presented for the parents were um, more centered around the psychosocial parents. Yeah, yep, yep. Did you also assess um, behavioral change? I did, I did. And it was very similar. Like they were making going in the right direction, yeah, but without any of the weight changes. Although there was one mother who lost 30 pounds, and it was the mother who had the trouble with the child who could not continue on. Like over the summer, something really clicked for her. Yes, Dr. Kaczynski. I was going to ask about the dads. I mean, I know it's oh, yeah. totally not your Yeah, no, no, no. Yes. I was just curious if uh, either if there has 
been much research, and I don't know mm -hmm. about the, you know, the relative importance of a male versus female parent in an mm -hmm. African-American family, but if there's been similar research to the type that you've looked at here or that you're planning to do with males, if that's in your future plans as well to incorporate the whole family. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's my goal, the, the whole family, the whole African-American family structure is, is um, of interest to me. And especially now that African-American boys, their level of overweight is almost that of the girls. So they've really leaped and grown over the past couple of years. Um, you know, traditionally, the African-American family, no, I shouldn't say tradition, I, that it could, um, women, women play a strong role, whether the father is present or not, um, play a strong role, role in African-American culture. And so, but with that being said, there's some literature out there, and most of it has been with diverse samples, so I don't know how much it may apply specifically to African-American girls, but if you tease it out, look at it by racial groups, that when it comes to African-American, I mean, when it comes to girls, the behavior and the support, really the parental port support of the um, dad, is um, more influential than that of the mom. So um, there is interest for me to include the entire family and being a, yes, so not forgetting the dads. The dads are important. The men are important because of health issues and not going to the doctor and weight issues are high. Not, like, sorry. Okay, I'll stop. <laughs> okay, any more questions? All righty. Thank you. <laughs>